Hey everybody, welcome to Cougs Daily. I'm Jay Catch, your host right here on the daily podcast for BYU Athletics. Thank you so much for tuning in on a Tuesday. It's August 7th, an off day for the media when it comes to BYU football fall camp, but that doesn't mean the Cougars aren't practicing. They will be practicing today. The media just won't be there to report on it because they don't have any media availability. Um, the next time for the media to catch up with players and coaches will be tomorrow during BYU's annual uh, photo day at the indoor practice facility. Should be a good chance to catch some one-on-ones, get uh, get to talk to some guys a little more in depth than maybe you do after a practice, etc. A lot of standing around with these players when it comes to photo day because they have to kind of move around to they have the official photos for the school, they have the local papers that want to take pictures of them. There's some promotional things going on with BYU athletics, so a lot for them to do. So while they're waiting for all that, that's when us as the media get a swoop in and be able to talk to them for a minute. So it should be fun there. Our next chance is the media to see BYU in action will be Friday uh, morning. I think it's a morning practice. 11.30 a.m. is I think the estimated time the media will be allowed to enter um, and see the see the Cougars in action. Should be interesting to see how the quarterback battle is shaken out at that point. And that's where we're going to kind of stop off first things here on the podcast today is the quarterback battle. I want to let you hear some comments from the coaches yesterday about the quarterback situation at BYU. Of course, if you listened to the podcast yesterday, Sean Walker and Mitch Harper joined me and we talked in depth about the fact that we saw Tanner Mangum and Zach uh, Wilson get these get the reps in the team portion of practice yesterday, and also Jaron Hall get reps, but nothing for Joe Critchlow. It was uh, raised red flags. A lot of questions were asked to the coaches, um, and they they responded not to read into it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play some sound for you here. First things first, we're going to play Jeff Grimes' response to Jay Drew. I'll play the full Q&A here of Jay Drew asking the question to Jeff Grimes about if Joe Critchlow not getting reps is something the media can read into. So here you go. Can anything be read into the fact that Joel Critchlow didn't get any reps in the media viewing portion of the... No, you can't read anything into that. We're, we're um, putting different guys with different groups at different times and on different days. Just like one day, somebody may be going with the first group at, at right tackle or at slot receiver, and the next day it may be somebody else. So we're just working a rotation. So no movement on the quarterback depth chart right now? No. There you go. That is Jay Drew from the Salt Lake Tribune, a good friend, and Jeff Grimes, BYU's offensive coordinator. Jeff Grimes, really authoritative there, saying no movement on the depth chart, nothing to read into. They're working on a rotation, and that's how it plays out. Okay, now we pivot to the head coach, Kalani Satake. Of course, he being the head coach will have the ultimate say on all things in this program. I do believe he defers a lot to Aaron Roderick and Jeff Grimes when it comes to the quarterbacks as the offensive coordinator and the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach in the case of Grimes and Roderick respectively there. But Kalani Satake, being the head coach, he is the ultimate decision maker with this program and he will have plenty of say in who ultimately is the starting quarterback. He was asked yesterday about the quarterback battle and if these if the reps distribution was something that should be looked into. Here was his response. Oh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think I think uh, it's kind of hard that when when you have three guys competing and then and, and sometimes two guys do better than the other. I think uh, I like what all three of them are doing, but yeah, I think that um, 
eventually two guys are going to have to emerge, you know, and then and then one. And so if we can get to that, you guys can ask A-Rod all those questions and uh, grimy. All right, there is Kalani Satake talking about um, if the media can really look into things. He had one other telling comment, which might be the most telling of all, and that's going to be the comment coming up here. I'm going to play the full Q&A here. Very interesting to hear his response because if you look between the lines, I know that that's a convoluted um cliche that people like to like to use but if you read between the lines or listen between the lines to his comment here he lays out that the media fans even can read into a little bit about how this quarterback race is is shaking out for BYU so here you go here's Kalani Satake is the timeline with the quarterback decision going to be up to A-Rod and Jeff yeah yeah I think we're working together on a lot of it but I think it's more everything's starting to emerge I, I don't want to tell you guys that it's set yet, but it's it's working towards what we. I mean, you can probably guess on it a little bit, but I think we're starting to see guys emerge, and, and uh, once we've, we we haven't found a starter yet, but I think guys are stepping up and starting to improve. There you go, Kalani Satake. You can, you can tell right there that he he gives a hint. He says that hey, you guys can make sense of this. You guys can really kind of you, you you guys. If you pay attention, you guys can kind of work your way through it. And there you go. So I think that that might be the most telling comment of all from BYU practice yesterday was Kalani Satake's comment. Jeff Grimes not giving anything up. He is very much a guy that plays things close to the vest. I completely understand that. I still think Joe Critchlow is going to be in the mix. Everything tells me that there might be a little bit of a smokescreen here, and there's some there's some role or something going on with Critchlow that he is still going to be in the mix for BYU. But... I still believe that Tanner Mangum will start against Arizona. That is just me. I believe that the coaches are very high on Joe Critchlow. I believe they're extremely high on the future prospects for Zach Wilson. I think that they think the world of him and expect him to do good things. But I think Tanner Mangum is their most steady option at this juncture. And if unless he is beaten out, unless there's a player that really stands up, and I'm talking in the next, let's say, 7 to 10 practices, so the next week or so, Kalani Satake will just make the call and say Tanner is going to be our guy for the time being and until somebody proves that they are a better option, we have to go with the guy who gives us the best chance to win. The BYU coaching staff needs to win games. That's been a been understood. Going four and nine is just not acceptable for the for the Cougars. So I think that he's going to go with the best option that gives him gives his program a chance to win. And at this juncture, it is just my personal opinion that it is going to be Tanner Mangum unless somebody stands up and really takes the bull by the horns and really shakes his coaching staff and says, hey, I am the guy. And I don't think anybody's done that yet. That doesn't mean it still can't happen. It doesn't mean that Joe Critchlow could go out this week, start throwing darts every time he's touching the ball, and the coaches say, hey, we got to pay attention to this kid. doesn't mean that Zach Wilson can't step up and continue to sling the ball. The kid can absolutely fire the ball all over the field. His legs and his dual threat ability was his calling card in high school up there at Corner Canyon High School up there in Alta, Utah. But I think that his arm is severely underrated. We're seeing this in practice. It comes off of his hand. It is a live ball. It gets everywhere it needs to go. His first throw during the media-attended portion of practice yesterday was a perfectly placed pass into the corner of the end zone to Talon Shumway that the defender had good had good position with Talon Shumway. He was running a stride for stride with him. 
Zach Wilson placed in the one spot that the defender could not get to it. Talon Shumway just puts his arms out, takes the ball, makes sure his feet tap down inbounds, and it's a touchdown. It was a beautiful, beautiful play. And that's something we have seen from Zach Wilson all the time. If you want to see the play, you can go on social media. I believe Brandon Judd had a good look at it from the Deseret News. I'm sure some of the other local um television outlets would also have video of it. I would encourage you to check it out. It was a phenomenal throw. So, like I said, getting back to the point here, I don't want to belabor and get off on a tangent here, but these two guys, Critchlow and Wilson, are really going to need to force the coaching staff to sit up and take notice, or else I think Tanner Mangum ultimately gets your start and will continue to be the starter because he's a steady option until it is proven that he is not the guy. So there you go. That's the quarterback stuff I wanted to talk about. We talked about it at length last night with Sean Walker and Mitch Harper. Um, you can catch that also right here on Cougs Daily. Just look for yesterday's episode and you can listen to that. All right, a couple other notes we need to get to here in this first segment of Cougs Daily today. Once again, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys sticking with me. This is a fun venture that I'm really enjoying so far. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's something we're going to continue uh, pushing forward uh, with interviews, etc. Let me know who you want to hear from. I guess this is the first thing. I have a chance to get some one-on-ones. Like I said, starting tomorrow at BYU Photo Day. Let me know who you'd like to hear from, and I will do my best to let you know. uh, We'll get those interviews with you and let you know what you want to know from these players. Uh, Most of them aren't going to tell you straight out everything you want to know, but They'll talk. They're young men, and they're willing to talk, and they have a good time with it. And I try and make it lighthearted with them so that they feel at ease when it comes to doing these interviews. A couple other things for you here is that we have some scheduling news that came out yesterday. I apologize I didn't get to it last night. But with the podcast running long, I told you in the, when I debuted this podcast, I want to keep them around 30 minutes. I don't want to take all day talking BYU football. I want to get you your news. I want to get you some speculation, get you some um, information that you can use around the water cooler and then we'll get out. We're going to be very quick here on the podcast, relatively 30 minutes in and out. You can tune in um, for any part of this of the podcast, catch the bits you want, and then and then get out. Uh, so some scheduling, new, scheduling news yesterday was that BYU and UNLV, their longtime um, Western, I guess is the, the joined the WAC when BYU was in the WAC. They went to the Mountain West with BYU. The Rebels and BYU have, have agreed to a home-and-home deal in 2023 and 2024. The game in Provo will be in 2023, uh, and then BYU will go to Las Vegas in 2024. Uh, should be playing in that new Raiders Stadium once again that uh, should be opening up, I believe, in 2020, uh, which is also be the home field as far as I am aware, unless something has drastically has changed. The Rebels will play their home games there, which is a big boon for that program. So BYU goes to Las Vegas in 2024. Uh, This is two November games, so it gets BYU a home date in November against the Mountain West team, and then also a road date to go to Vegas in November the next year in 2024. I think it's a it's a good thing for BYU. I like I like the schedule how it's um, like how it's scheduled when it comes to those November dates because the November dates are something that will be forever um, tough for BYU to get Power Five opponents most of all and even high quality opponents. So let's we're still looking at a at a game that is let's see we're in 2018 so we're five years away from the first game in that series. But who knows how it shakes out. Maybe Tony Sanchez gets things rolling at UNLV. 
or we could have be on to our third coach by then at UNLV. They they seem to pull the plug pretty quick if things don't get going for the running Rebels, which haven't been going for most of their FBS tenure. But I like Tony Sanchez personally. I hope he gets it going. He was a very, very successful at Bishop Gorman down there in Las Vegas. It'll be very interesting to see um, how he does going forward. He's, he's done some heavy lifting. Let's put it that way. I've really liked what he's done so far. So hopefully he's still there. He's got UNLV rolling a little bit. There may be more of a factor in the Mountain West at that point. And it's not as much of a one-sided affair as BYU fans may may assume it is. So, um, and then also one other note that came out of that scheduling announcement was that the 2020 schedule has now been completed for BYU uh, with the, with the announcement of a home game against FCS Independent North Alabama. The good news is by the time BYU faces North Alabama in 2020, they will be members of the Big South Conference, if I'm not mistaken. They're a former Division II champion who decided to jump up to the FBS level. They complete this the schedule. BYU's always played one FCS game per year, and it sets up another stout schedule. The next two years following 2018, which is no slouch in its own right, BYU has two incredibly tough schedules. Um, if you listen to my day job, the show I produce, DJ and PK in the morning, David James is just absolutely beside himself over the strength of schedule um, in the coming years, and for good reason. Let's look at 2019 real quick. You have a home date to start the season against the Utah Utes. You go to Tennessee. You return home to face both USC and Washington in back-to-back weeks. Um, you, you follow that up with a road date at Toledo, which Jason Candle and at Toledo, he's a guy that's going to be getting a bigger job sooner rather than later, hopefully after this season, because the Rockets have been really, really good. Of course, BYU had that really fun uh, shootout game a few years back against the Rockets. This is the return date on that. Continuing the schedule in 2019 is they go to USF. Charlie Strong has got a very stout defense down there. Of course, the BYU game against Boise State. There's a road date in November against against Utah State. They face um, fellow FBS Independent Liberty. They have their FCS game against Idaho State. They're at UMass and then at San Diego State. So the first month in 2019, once again, another murderer's row lining up for BYU as things shake out towards the back end where it's a little bit easier for BYU. And then in 2020, this schedule is even is even tougher, in my opinion, than 2019. Open the season once again at Utah. You return home to face the Michigan State Spartans. You go on the road for back-to-back games against P five opponents in Arizona State and Minnesota. You come home to face Utah State and then follow that up immediately with another home date against Missouri. The Houston Cougars, who have been pretty good the last few years, come to Provo following that. There's three straight home games at Northern Illinois. Take a week off, come back, face Boise State, have a home date against San Diego. You you face the North Alabama Lions, which is the game we just told you was announced yesterday, and you finish it up at Stanford. Holy smokes. I'm not, no offense, but that is, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six power five teams on that schedule. Boise State is one of the best uh, G5 programs in the country. San Diego State is no slouch. Northern Illinois has been a power. Houston has been a power. And Utah State, any given year in the recent past, they give BYU a game every time they face off. So that's. 10, 11 stout games on that 2020 schedule. BYU is really going to be facing a, a tough, tough slate the next two years. So the goal is this year, of course, we've talked about that, talked about it on the podcast, 
You want to get to 6-6 six and six this year. You want to build some momentum, get to a bowl game, get some good feelings going back into 2019, which is going to be, like I said, a tough schedule. But for BYU, they just got to get a get some momentum going, get some recruiting momentum, hopefully get a few guys in place and build from there and see what you can do. You can only win the game that is placed before you each week for BYU. It'll be interesting to see how they do. I'm not going to lie, the next two years after 2018, uh, six and six, seven and five, eight and four season would be a good season with how stout these are lining up. Um, we'll see how it shakes out after that. 2021 is still in a work in progress, but there's plenty going on there. So I wanted to get to some of that scheduling stuff for you. But I really like the game against uh, UNLV in Las Vegas, a home and home date in November. I think it's a good good thing for BYU. I get it; it's a Mountain West team. There's a lot of people that talk trash on facing. Mountain West teams, but it is what it is. You just have to deal with it and play the games. I think it's a good thing for BYU. We can talk another time. I think that BYU and Utah, if they don't want to square off on each other's home field, go to Las Vegas and play the game. If that new Raider Stadium, go down there and play it. I think the fans would flock down there. I think it would be a good thing for them. All right. I belabored the point there a little bit too much when it comes to the BYU scheduling, but I wanted to get you some of that news. We'll take a time out here. We'll come back. I had some of you send in questions yesterday, um, some stuff you wanted, some observations notes from BYU football practice. We'll address those next. We also have our quick hits coming up at the end of the podcast. Some of the news and notes that doesn't need to spend a lot of time on, but something that might be noteworthy for you to know with BYU football. Thanks so much for tuning in to Cougs Daily. I'm Jay Catch. We'll be back on the other side. Cooks Daily. I'm Jay Catch, your host here on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you guys listening each and every day. It's a lot of fun to bring this podcast to you. We have a lot of fun with it, and hopefully you guys have fun with it too. Feel free to send in your questions at Cooks Daily. You also can send them directly to my personal Twitter feed at Jacob C Hatch. Give us a follow on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Um, rate us and review us if you don't mind taking the time to do so. Really helps us out in terms of getting more eyeballs on the podcast, so it's a lot of fun there. All right, I told you we get some questions before the break, so let's get to those. Um, you guys sent in some stuff you guys wanted me to pay attention to at practice yesterday, so we'll start answering some of those questions. First things first, Jared Ashby, he asked, for Hans Olsen's sake, get an update on Mo Longy. Mo Longy has lost 100 pounds. Kalani Sitake yesterday said that he's still a ways away from being, a, I guess, a contributing football player. I guess the easiest way to describe it. But... I think they're continuing to work with him. I know Hans Olsen can't stand updates on Mo Longy, so well played, Jared. But they're getting they're they're continuing to roll along. Uh, Gobber Slob at Gobber Slob on Twitter says he wanted to know about the defensive ends, um, Trajan Peely and the Kafusi brothers. I'm assuming uh, Devin Kafusi, freshman. He's got a lot of burst. His issue is he's not very big. I know he's tall, but I'm talking about like in terms of actual girth. Of course, he is a freshman, so he's got time to grow into his frame. Corbin Kafusi looks the part of a defensive end. We'll see if it translates into consistent success this year. He had a good season overall last season. After the season was over, he kind of looked back on his stats and probably a little underrated in terms of how he ultimately did. Um, but I think Corbin is set up to be a big contributor once again for BYU. They've got to improve the pass rush, no doubt about it. Trajan Peely could be a big part of that. I have yet to really kind of see him take that next step. Hopefully he does. It'd be interesting to see what happens there. 
Uh, Boston Coog asks, is Louis Lapuaho practicing? Um, he is not practicing currently, and Jeff Grimes yesterday when asked about Louis said that there wasn't really much of an update. He said hopefully we'll be able to get him on the field. We'll see what happens. I would imagine Louis still working his way back from those knee and hip um, surgeries that he's ha- had to deal with the last two years. If he's healthy, he can be a contributor for BYU. We saw it when he was able to play before that he was definitely a difference maker for the Cougars. The issue is keeping him healthy and getting him on the field. We'll see what happens there. Um, Denisheo, at Denisheo, I hopefully pronounced that right, he asked about Zach Katoa and Riley Burt. How are they looking as well as Dax Mill, number five on offense, and Dallin Holker at tight end? I can tell you this much. Riley Burton, Zach Katoa, they're contributing at the running back spot. Um, I think Squally Canada and Bo Hodge have really stood out for the first two days. Katoa is kind of running in a, th- in a pack of three there. Riley Burt's probably just behind that group. Um, I would imagine if like, a guy like K.J. Hall gets healthy, he'll also be in the mix. But I have liked what I've seen from Burt and Katoa. Burt seems to be more of a natural guy to play on the outside edge versus up the, up the gut in terms of running into the line. I think that's more of Katoa's strength, but Katoa's got plenty of speed to get around the edge as well. Dax Milne had a touchdown catch yesterday from Jaron Hall. For a walk-on, he's getting he's making the most of his reps. If you can score a touchdown, the coaches will take note of that, and they'll be paying attention to him. And Dallin Holker, he's been everything he's been advertised to be. He's been very, very good, and it's been interesting to see what happens. All right, um, Craig Phillip. I wanted to follow up with Dennis Shale with Craig Phillip's question about the running backs. He said that, I've heard great things from Katoa, but thought coming into fall, Squally was the man. Don't get me wrong. I want depth. Why haven't we heard anything about Squally? We had a chance to talk to Squally yesterday. He's as gregarious as ever. A fun, fun interview. I love talking to that kid. He is really enjoyable to talk to. I honestly think Squally Canada is kind of the dark horse here for the running backs. He finished the season on a tear last year, and I get you can throw the, well, it was lesser competition, the UNLVs and whatnot last season that he that he beat up. But he finished the season as the leading rusher for BYU. I feel like he's being underrated in terms of his ability to contribute this season. So we'll see what happens with him. I really like him. I think he's looked really good early on. He, I think he'll be BYU's primary uh, goal line back. If they're down in the goal line inside the five-yard line and they want to run it, I think you're going to see number 22. Was it was 22 or 21. 22, I believe, is Squally Canada. You're going to see him carry the ball a lot more, I think, on that goal line because he's very tough to bring down, and he just he, he's a bulldozer. For his size, he's very strong, and he makes it sure to get north and south and fall forward, so I really like that. Um, in terms of, uh, so Brian Peterson sends this sends this in at BD Peterson eleven. Thanks for listening. He says receivers and DBs. I feel like I haven't heard anything about those guys. With the receivers, I really like Nil Pau. I think Nil is set up to have a really big year this year. He has shown out in practice. Um, he is he's a guy that I don't think a lot of people are mentioning because he I don't know why, but. He's got all the physical traits. He's got plenty of speed. He's got the size. He can jump. He's an athlete. I really think he is going to have a big year this year. I feel like a guy like Micah Simon had a little bit of a breakout last year and is set to reprise that role. I like Leva Hefo's abilities along with Dylan Colley potentially playing in that slot. Leva can also play on the outside. Dylan Colley is just a polished, polished prospect. I really like what he's doing. And I think this wide receiver core um, should be able to contribute. I would, I'm not sure to what level. Talon Shumway, of course, a guy that a lot of people expected to take a big step last year. Didn't really do that. But I think the wide receivers could could make some noise. The defensive backs, honestly, it's been 
kind of blasé, I won't lie. I haven't really seen a defensive back that has really, really caught my eye outside of Michael Shelton. The senior, he has worked hard. He's worked his way back up the, the depth chart. He was buried there for a long time. But I feel like outside of Michael Shelton and maybe Diane Gonwoloku at safety, the, the defensive backs have yet to really kind of show me much that I really stood out to me. I, much that it really stood out to me. I apologize for the incorrect grammar there, but I really will keep an eye on the defensive backs and hopefully have more of a report for you there. A um, couple other things, uh, talking about the reps, some people asking, okay, well, what? If that, I think this question came in later after I asked the question, what about the reps with Critchlow? Critchlow got reps with the se- in the seven-on-seven portions of the media-attended portion yesterday. He did not get reps in the team portion, and that's what caused all the speculation. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm not going to say that one way or the other if, for sure if it's, it's a done deal because it's not a done deal. Injuries happen, and things can change in the heartbeat. So we'll, we'll see what happens with um, what's going on with BYU, the quarterback situation as things go forward. So that's some of the questions you guys sent in. I really appreciate you guys reaching out. Feel free, like I said, to reach out anytime you want at Cougs Daily, also at Jacob C. Hatch. You can email me as well at jhatch77 at gmail.com if you want to reach out with an old school email. Happy to talk to you that way as well. My DMs on Twitter are always open, so if you don't want to necessarily ask your question out in the open on Twitter, you can DM me at Jacob C. Hatch. That's easy enough to do as well. All right, we'll take a time out. We'll come back with some quick hits, wrap things up right here on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Cougs Daily. Welcome back to Cougs Daily. Thanks so much for tuning in this evening. Uh, quick hits as we wrap things up here on the podcast. Got to give a big shout-out, first things first, to BYU star big man Yoli Childs. He celebrated his wedding over the weekend. Big congratulations to him on tying the knot. Um, he's he's set up to have a really big year this year. BYU basketball, I think, is probably the sec- they're going to be the second-best team in the WCC. Uh, they'll be challenging Gonzaga, but Gonzaga's loaded once again. The Gonzaga looks like a top-five preseason team. Them and Nevada, who BYU will face in their season opener, are two mid-majors, so-called mid-majors, that could really make an impact this year. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, and So big ups to Yoli Child celebrating a wedding. Uh, best of luck to him in marriage. Hopefully all goes smoothly and he's able to get back on the court and have a good year this year. Who knows what his future holds, the NBA, overseas, whatnot, if he's going to f- leave after this coming year, the year after that, when he's a senior. Who knows? But I think he's set up to have a really big year as the focal point of BYU's offense, and I hope he, he is able to control the tempo and the style of play for BYU because he is the linchpin for this attack for BYU on offense, and they need to use him to 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 follow him he'll lead you to success because I feel like sometimes BYU can really rely on their guards a little too much rely on the big man let him guide the way and let him really lead you to success the other quick hit I have for you tonight is best wishes to BYU women's volleyball and basketball star player Sarah Hampson she hurt her knee in volleyball practice last week underwent surgery it sounds like she is likely to miss 
at least the volleyball season, if not also the basketball season with that knee injury, but she's expected to recover 100%. She's been a great player for the Cougars, so hopefully she's able to get back on the court in both sports in the near future and has no ill effects lingering from the injury. So best wishes to Sarah Hampson with the BYU women's volleyball and women's basketball team because that's just tough because, she's like I said, she is one of the star players for those teams, and hopefully she's able to get back on the court. All right, guys, that wraps things up. Feel free to reach out, like I said, at Jacob C. Hatch at Cougs Daily. Give us a follow on Twitter. Also follow us on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. It doesn't cost you anything. You've got to push that subscribe button. Give us a rate and review. We'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think of the podcast, what questions you got. We'll be at BYU Photo Day tomorrow, uh, getting some interviews, some one-on-one time with players. Hopefully we'll be able to play those on the podcast here later in the week and in succeeding weeks. Should be a lot of fun. Let me know who you want to hear from. I'd be happy to interview some guys that maybe might not be on my radar but are on your radar. Let me know what you want to hear, and we'll get to it. Thanks again for tuning in. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to download us and and listen in. We'll talk to you tomorrow after BYU Photo Day, Wednesday, August 8th. Hey, 8-8. There we go. It's coming up tomorrow. This has been Cougs Daily for August 7th, 2018. Thanks for tuning in.